You're listening to Resurrection Life with Pastor Nathan Trice. Greetings to you, brothers and sisters, in the hope of Christ's resurrection. He is risen. Sometimes a whole new set of questions arises only after we've begun a project. And those questions tend to be the most practical questions and sometimes the most urgent questions. Uh, Earlier this week, I was replacing a garbage disposal in our kitchen. And as I typically do with projects like that around the house, uh, I gave the instructions that came with the new equipment uh, a quick look over at the start to make sure I had all that I needed. Uh, But it was only once I had had my head under the sink, uh, my hands dirty, and I had parts old and new that weren't fitting together that my questions uh, began to be very practical, very urgent. You might say they became exceedingly intelligent uh, questions. Well, my friends, that's what this podcast is about today. It is my attempt to answer some of the questions that parents have uh, new to the biblical practice of spanking. Uh, They've perhaps begun uh, by faith in Christ and love for their kids uh, to put the use of the rod into practice in their homes. But suddenly, uh, there's a whole host of practical questions that arise as they seek to do so. So I've tried to anticipate many of those questions here in this podcast I've called Spanking FAQs. Before I get to those questions, though, I'm aware that a listener might be inclined to ask, why yet another podcast on the subject of spanking? And I'll just say there's a couple of reasons why I've wanted to be so thorough on this particular subject. Uh, Number one, my friend, spanking is one of the most important subjects that I could address in this whole series on parenting. Uh, I'll just share with you. Uh, that when I have over the years uh, been counseling parents uh, of rebellious young adult children, uh, sometimes there is no discernible lack in their parenting, to be sure, but there are other times when I wish that I could put them and their children uh, and myself perhaps back in a time machine and go back to the beginnings. And if I could do that, I would change typically one of two things in their parenting. I would change uh, their uh, loving and consistent spanking in the first decade, and I would change their uh, being devoted to cultivating relationships with their children in the second decade. Those two things, spanking in the first decade, and cultivating relationship in the second decade of parenting. Those two things are the most important things, uh, respectively, and those are the things that I find myself wishing that uh, we could all go back in time and redo. So for now, I want to speak on spanking so practically, and some of you might say so thoroughly, uh, simply because I've seen the evil fruit uh, of its neglect. It's certainly blindingly obvious in the church at large, 
I've watched there Proverbs 29, verse 15, again and again and again fulfilled. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. So folks, this subject is that important, in my humble opinion, and if you are at the front end of parenting, I would simply say to you, uh, there's nothing of more practical importance for you than this. Uh, But the second thing uh, that gives me reason for lingering on this subject a little longer is I'm just not sure how much plain-spoken, practical teaching on the subject of spanking is available today. Uh, when my parents were raising me, there were actually books published uh, with clear teaching on the subject, titles like Withhold Not Correction, uh, were books all about how to spank in a biblical fashion. Then when I was beginning my parenting, there were more books published that had this uh, as part of their subject matter. Ted Tripp uh, is a classic example of an excellent book Shepherding a Child's Heart, just being published when I began my ministry and uh, began my uh, family. He he outlines uh, some of the things that I was saying in my last podcast about what constitutes a good spanking. Doug Wilson, back in the same era, was uh, writing uh, books like Standing on the Promises with very helpful how-tos included, among the other things, uh, in this area of spanking. But folks, uh, those books were published in the 90s, and I have some doubt whether we will see the equivalent of those things published in the 2020s. Uh, We live, after all, in this uh, uh, so very enlightened generation where all corporal discipline uh, is relegated to the category of child abuse in the home. Of course, I'll just pause to say again, our society that has this uh, understanding is so unhinged from reality in terms of what it calls good and what it calls evil. The same cultural trends that is now calling good uh, medical procedures to change a child's gender is also calling evil a tried and true practice uh, of spanking in the home. So for that second reason as well, uh, I have one more podcast on the biblical use of the rod in our homes, and I've got a list of a dozen questions frequently asked by earnest Christian parents. Again, I am sharing here what has first been shared with me uh, by others and what has been fruitful uh, in our own home. But again, uh, we remain in this realm of Christian prudence Uh, I don't expect every faithful parent to agree on every single point I might make uh, today. By the way, I'm saving the two most important questions to the end, so hopefully you won't fall asleep on me. (laughs) All right, let's get started. We need to move quickly. Uh, Question number one, is my child's bottom the only place that I should spank him? Someone might ask. Well, uh, it is certainly the case that the traditional spot For spankings to land is on the bottom. And folks, I think for good reason. So uh, again, the spanking consists of striking with a rod, to use the biblical language, in order to inflict temporary pain. Uh, In other words, we're trying to bring only a temporary sensation of pain without any lasting effects of the spanking. Uh, That's why I think generations of uh, wise parents 
uh, point to the more fleshy parts of our children's body as best for spanking. Now, on a healthy toddler, uh, the upper leg can do just as well, to be sure. And I'll be returning in a moment uh, to talking about the legitimacy, even the importance of little pops, as I'll call them, uh, on the hand, for example, for our very youngest children. But uh, I would simply submit, folks, as a rule, the bottom is best. Uh, this might be a good time to anticipate another question related to it. Does it have to be a bare bottom? Could or should spankings be administered through our children's clothes? And I'll have a yes, but answer here. Uh, yes, it can, as long as the objective of real pain that I uh, spoke of earlier can be met by spanking through pants, through underwear, and so on. But folks, you've got to be honest with yourself, and you have to be realistic about that question. Uh, Ashley and I found that in the early days of spanking, bare skin was best. First of all, um, spanking through a diaper is a joke, <laughs> frankly. Uh, spanking Therefore, uh, in the early years, does involve some measure of undressing of our children, uh, which can be quite a hassle, to be sure. Uh, but think that, uh, consider this, uh, my friends. Uh, you will actually be able to achieve greater consistency in your spankings when you're not each time compensating for more or less uh, clothing. I will add to this that as your children uh, get older and as they acquire uh, a proper sense of modesty, uh, for example, when they become properly self-conscious about being undressed in front of us, something they do not have as infants, but will eventually have, uh, I think it wise at that point to allow for at least something of clothing, underwear, for example, um, I'll just say there's indignity enough in getting spanked uh, without the shame of being completely undressed uh, when they've acquired that sense of modesty. Question number two, uh, is it okay if I spank with my hand rather than with a rod? I think there's very practical reasons for this question. Someone has uh, been seeking to be uh, faithful in this response to sin in the lives of our children with spanking. Uh, but the way life goes, sometimes the scene of the crime, if you will, and the rod uh, get far removed from each other. And it's tempting to just spank then and there with what's on hand, which is your hand. I'll just say, I don't think Proverbs needs to be read so uh, literally as excluding all use of the bare hand. Um, for example, a small child uh, can be very responsive to a, a smack smack on the hand or on his leg or his bottom in certain circumstances. I, I'll, I'll grant that and uh, I do, in fact, uh, believe that to be the case. But I would urge you to consider these reasons for committing, uh, on the whole, uh, especially with children much older than infancy, uh, to spanking with something other than the hand. Uh, consider this. Uh, if you as a parent use your hand uh, to spank your child, uh, that could well place you in a greater t uh, place of temptation uh, to do uh, the work of spanking rashly. 
uh, in the moment, as a response of anger. Everything we said spanking should not be. If you have to have the discipline for yourself of putting down what you're doing, of speaking to your child, of taking your child to a place for a spanking, and of locating the spank stick or whatever you're calling it, uh, that's a good check on yourselves, parents. Another thing to consider, uh, folks, I think there is something wholesomely symbolic about spanking by means of a rod in the hand. Uh, I think it's fair and right for children to come to have a certain proper fear of mom or dad with a rod in their hand. But we don't, do we? actually want them to associate our bare hand uh, with discipline so much as with uh, affection, uh, protection. I'll just add to these considerations that um, when your children get to be of any sturdy age, uh, you, you simply are not going to be able to do the job uh, with just your bare hand. If you try, uh, you might end up hurting yourself and your child in a way that uh, has nothing... Uh, good, nothing to do uh, with a proper biblical spanking. So, on the whole, uh, use the rod uh, that the Bible commends. And uh, we found, because we lived um, in a two-story house, um, we found that it was good to have a place on both floors where the uh, the rod, the spank stick in duplicate, was kept uh, so that it could be reasonably accessible uh, when we needed it. Question number three. My spanking left a bruise on my child. Am I a bad parent? Well, the first thing I want to say to a parent who's very upset uh, at leaving a bruise is uh, rightly so. That's not what we're aiming at in the use of the rod of discipline. And so some kind of course correction is in fact called for. Uh, But the second thing I want to say to such a parent is, Don't freak out. (laughs) Uh, Folks, you're not going to learn how to spank well without ever making any mistakes. Say that to yourself. (laughs) Uh, Learning how to bring a proper pain in the spanking without longer-term side effects like bruising, well, that's one of those things that we have to learn as parents. And I'll, I'll just point out here that a bruise doesn't necessarily mean that you were too severe in some broad sense. It certainly means that your spanking technique, uh, perhaps even what you're spanking with, uh, needs to be changed or improved. I've spoken already of what we used in our home, what our families at Resurrection Presbyterian have also um, widely adopted little leather-like straps. We call them spank sticks, and we preferred them because they uh, did well making little bottoms pink for a few minutes, but without bruising. And we learned uh, in the use of those uh, versions of the rod, as the saying goes, it really is all in the wrist. Uh, Uh, Let me just say, if your whole arm is doing the work of spanking, you're probably using uh, too much blunt force, and that's the thing that needs correction. You can bring all the pain that a good spanking requires with uh, the right flick of the wrist. Uh, One of the things Ashley and I were told early on is that as you're thinking, uh, sorry, as you're spanking, think 
sting. In other words, that's what you're aiming at, a very surface level of pain, like that of a stinging sensation. And I'll just add uh, here on the, on the nitty-gritty, uh, better, to, better to apply five or seven swats with a spank stick that brings a stinging sensation, even in a cumulative way, than merely two or three blows that each one runs the risk of doing more than you intend to do. Uh, a bruise does mean you need to do something different. Uh, certainly, it calls for introspection in case there was anything about your attitude, your emotions that was uh, inconsistent with true love for your children. But folks, it can also simply mean you're still trying to figure out how to do this. Uh, don't uh, conclude that you're a bad parent. Uh, number four, my child is resisting me. When I spank him, what should I do? Folks, uh, I'll stay right out of the gate. This is normal. Uh, hello. <laughs> uh, the self-protection instinct is pretty strong. Uh, kids will squirm. Uh, they'll put their hands over their bottoms. Sometimes they'll even try to get away from their parents. And of course, at the beginning, parents are physically able to overcome all this resistance. Your child, as you begin, is small enough to lie over your knee, to be held in place, and so on. But this is a serious question, an important question, because all that is going to change. And a child who fights a spanking becomes a formidable obstacle to spanking, indeed. And here's what I want to say uh, with all earnestness. Folks, you need to recognize that resistance to your discipline is itself its own sinfulness in your child. And you're going to need to address it early on with your children. Remember, I talked about those brief pre-spanking words uh, with your child. I, I talked about pointing out what you're spanking your child for <clears throat> as something important to, to speak briefly to before the spanking. And, and I would simply add to that this uh, part uh, of that pre-spanking word. Remind your child of his responsibility. Uh, to submit to that discipline. Uh, you can say to your son, my responsibility is to spank you. You know that. And your responsibility is to submit to that spanking, not to fight it or to run away. And parents, listen carefully. You're right to make clear to your child, if you do not take your spanking submissively, son, it will have to be a longer spanking. You might say two spankings in one. One is for the original infraction, lying to your mother or hitting your sister, what have you. The other is for rebelling against the discipline. I remember uh, seasons, Ashley and I had them with each of our children, where this became a pattern of fighting against the spanking. And we began to have to be very intentional about this. We'd have to talk about that before the spanking. And I remember a few of those spankings that if you will, came in two stages when there was sinful rebellion against the spanking, and that had to be addressed as well as the original uh, infraction. By the way, as part of your post-spanking uh, words of restoration with your son or daughter, if they did well or if they did better than they did before of receiving your their spanking submissively, then 
commend them for that. Parents say, I'm pleased with you for not being sinful uh, during your spanking. And uh, I'll just say most kids in time become quite rational about the whole thing. One spanking is better than two. I am going to take my spanking like a little man, um, as the case may be. Question number five. My child is angry with me after a spanking. What am I doing wrong? This is not so much to the issue of how your child received the spanking, but the after effects and the attitude after the spanking. And I am anticipating this question because I have spoken of what should be the ordinary fruit of faithful spankings, and that is a sweet spirit restored in our children. Again, I'll say it is amazing uh, how dramatic the change can be in our children after a faithful and lovingly administered spanking. But here I want to say, my friends, there are certainly going to be spankings that don't achieve this desired effect. And it's not necessarily because you administered only a faux spanking. We talked about that. It's not because you spanked in anger and your own resentment is breeding resentment in your children. We've talked about that. Let's assume it's neither of those things. Folks, it could be something as simple as the reality that nothing in this broken world works flawlessly every time. <laughs> and that includes spankings. Here's an encouragement I'll have for you. When you seem to be confronted with a failed spanking, quote unquote, folks, there's still blessing that God is capable of doing. Uh, in spankings and in and through spankings that don't achieve the sweet spirit that you're after. Spankings are cumulative as well in their blessings. Pray for your son or your daughter um, after those spankings that have not had an ideal outcome. And I'll just add, um, circle back around with your child who uh, has seemed to be resentful or angry at you for being spanked. The emotions have subsided. Your child's moved on to other things. Look for a chance to have a parental debrief uh, on that spanking. Uh, say to your daughter, you still seemed angry after your spanking. Can you tell me more about that? Do you think there was something unfair in what I was doing? Um, what do you think God expects of you? Uh, after a spanking. I just want to reaffirm to you, sweetie, I spank you because I love you. And I want on the other side of that spanking to be restored to you. I want our relationship to be good, just as I want our, your relationship with the Lord to be good. This is a teaching opportunity. In other words, circle back around uh, and pray with your child. Uh, number six, how private do spankings need to be? I'll say generally to this, if your children are old enough to be self-conscious and embarrassed uh, by the fact that they're getting spanked, well, the more private, the better. Folks, they'll be more open to you. Uh, they'll be more receptive to what you're saying if they're alone with you. So take them to the bedroom. Take them out of the main traffic area of your home. Let the spanking be between you and your child alone. I say that prudentially speaking but I realize it may not always be possible. Um, it may be a first world luxury, <laughs> if I can say it that way, to have the kind of houses um, that allow for uh, such private uh, discipline in every case. Uh, 
I will say this. Spankings are best done when you are at home and not when you are out and about. Uh, Not only because it's hard to find the privacy that makes for an ideal setting for spanking when you're out and about, but folks, just be real. Uh, There are many potential witnesses uh, to what you're doing who will not have the full context uh, that we have been setting for spanking uh, in these little talks. And they could well mistake, and many have, what you're doing with the kind of behavior that I've been warning against. That's not only distressing to them, but it could be deeply troublesome to yourself. We, again, live in a culture increasingly unfriendly to this biblical mode of parenting. I, I remember to this day uh, one of my spankings by my faithful Christian father. Uh, it's not the only one I remember, uh, but this one took place on the side of the interstate. I had, uh, I had just hauled off and slugged my brother uh, while we were on a family trip. Uh, did so forgetful of the all-seeing eye of the rearview mirror. And I can still remember the sensation of our Volvo station wagon immediately losing speed <laughs> and, and pulling over to the side of the road. And I, I do not remember the pain of that spanking. I do remember the shame <laughs> of being spanked uh, over the back of the bumper uh, of that uh, station wagon on the side of the road. Now, I just recall this to mind to say this. Uh, what was wiser done in the 1970s uh, is less wisely done in the 2020s. Word to the wise is sufficient. Uh, happily, there are safe spaces, we might uh, think of them, for carrying out biblical discipline outside of our homes. If you're among like-minded Christians who uh, know and support um, this biblical practice, uh, then there's freedom in their homes. Um, I would like to think that there remains a great measure of that freedom in our churches uh, for discipline, and discipline is carried out of this kind uh, at Resurrection Presbyterian. But I would just point out to uh, families, uh, parents, uh, that our church doors are open to any and all, uh, many of whom have no context for what's being spoken of here, have no understanding of all the things that have uh, been said about this uh, uh, discipline of spanking and all that it should and should not be. So be wise, be discreet, even when you're in your um, covenant community um, in the place of worship. I'll just say the bottom line for these things uh, in my own mind uh, as I think about uh, the demands of discipline of our children that we take with us all throughout our society, uh, all different kinds of contexts. Folks, I think the need for privacy, the wisdom of generally speaking, doing it at home, uh, means that you are going to have to curtail. Inevitably, you're going to have to curtail some otherwise a legitimate discipline. Uh, if your children are old enough uh, to have a memory that connects the nature of their sin with a spanking that happens an hour or two later, then I think it's perfectly legitimate to say in the moment in the grocery store, um, I will be spanking you at home for what you just did. 
you have to make sure you follow through on that. Uh, Make sure that the link isn't broken between that sin and their spanking at home. And that can be a very effective way for children to learn that they can't uh, act with impunity when they're out and about because mom can't spank. Well, mom can't spank immediately, but she can spank. Uh, And in some ways, living under the sword of Democles of a spanking promised is even worse than being spanked. So there's that. (laughs) But... Uh, when your child is is just too young to associate the tantrum in the grocery store with what the uh, with a spanking that comes an hour and a half or two hours later, then uh, you have to punt. Uh, that's a missed opportunity for discipline. Nothing that can be done about it. Uh, but I'll just add, it does call for even more consistency in the home in a faithful discipline. Question number seven. Are there exceptional cases when spanking certain children becomes unwise? I'll lump a few things together under the answer to this question. Uh, And uh, here I'm mindful that I took pains early on uh, to present spanking as a non-optional element of our parenting. Spanking is a matter of obedience to the Lord and a vital ministry to our children, and I spoke of it as non-optional optional. But I did intimate at one point that there may well be circumstances that present an exception to the rule uh, where prudence indicates other means of discipline, at least uh, for a time. And here's where I'll elaborate on that um, earlier passing comment. Uh, Let me take the most obvious, doesn't even perhaps need to be stated, but a child who's suffering from physical illness or injury is still very capable of sinning, but may not be a proper recipient of a spanking. Do I need to elaborate on that? I, I rather think not. There are certain kinds of illness, certain kinds of injury that um, make it unwise uh, to spank that particular child, at least for that time. Uh, there's a much larger question, of course, at some point, Uh, our children, I would submit, do become too big, too old to spank, at least to spank profitably. Now, I realize there's there's room for difference of opinion when exactly that time comes, and there is room for difference of opinion because there is absolutely no word from the Lord on that. The Bible's silent on when a child is too old to spank. I'll just say from my own experience uh, and observation, Parents, if you've done your spanking well early, you're not going to need to spank much after the age of 10. That's my own observation. That's certainly been our own experience. And I'll just say further, if I know of teenagers being spanked by their parents, my own pastoral um, alarms um, go off faintly or otherwise, that doesn't seem altogether well. Um, I'm wondering at that point if a parent is trying to do late in the game what should have been done much, much earlier. And those spankings are consequently not profitable or prudent. There are, though, I think, uh, much less obvious situations uh, when a child uh, is, in fact, emotionally fragile uh, in an extraordinary way, in an unusual way. 
Uh, now, friends, it's natural for all children to have an aversion to being spanked, and that aversion may be quite powerful, uh, and that's entirely natural. But I'm aware of certain situations in which um, there really can be a kind of irrational um, terror uh, in a particularly emotionally fragile child. And I think parents need to take such things into consideration. Uh, more specifically, they need to ask if their child is emotionally capable of uh, processing that discipline as a true expression of love. This requires a great deal of prayer, and uh, I would simply add uh, counsel uh, if you feel like you are in uh, such a situation with such a child, get wise counsel. Explain uh, the circumstances. Someone who's uh, seasoned in this area. Uh, resist the urge, I will say, uh, to come quickly and prematurely to the conclusion that your child is extraordinary. We, as parents, uh, all have a tendency to think of our children as extraordinary uh, but I'm granting that there could be exceptional cases, at least for a time, when this ordinary means of grace uh, isn't the best means in certain children's lives. That's all I can say, I think, uh, to make allowance for that in exceptional uh, cases. <clears throat> Question number eight. My child is already repentant. Can I just show him mercy and not spank now, I say right off the bat, yes, in light of the fact that God as a father is himself merciful and foregoing a spanking when a child knows he deserves it can be a very humbling and affecting thing for that child. Uh, but I want to ask you to bear these things in mind as you consider that option of uh, showing mercy. There are reasons other than compassion and mercy that uh, parents can be uh, motivated by as they forego spankings. Uh, let's just be honest with ourselves. It's not just kids that want to find ways out of spanking parents. Uh, weariness or just that general aversion we have to spanking can be more of a factor in our hearts, if we're honest, than showing mercy. I also want to remind parents that there is an important place for discipline even in the presence of repentance. Touched on this earlier. Uh, you remember the example of God uh, carrying out punishment for King David even after he had repented of his sin, very obviously, very sincerely. And I remind parents that there is something very wholesome about predictable consequences for sin in your home. There's also a danger in a child ever acquiring the thinking, look, if I just act sorry, I'll escape punishment. Our, our children are very capable of doing whatever they need to do by way of acting uh, to escape punishment. And we are certainly not wanting to lead them into the temptation of feigning uh, repentance. So I'll just say the general pattern in your home should be that certain behaviors receive certain punishments, period. And certainly when you have made a commitment, I will spank you. If you do such and such, you have no choice. You must spank. 
but then use your judgment. Uh, If, without threatening the rule, the exceptions can be made from time to time in a way that is winsome and endearing of your child to yourself and, and to the Lord, ultimately. Question number nine, are there legitimate alternatives to spanking? Yes, indeed. Um, Not every sin needs to be addressed by spanking. Uh, Lord willing, my next podcast will uh, be addressed to the issue of words spoken to correct our children or reproof, and that's a very biblical perspective. We need to have uh, an awareness that sometimes words alone uh, to our children will do. Uh, When you're uh, parenting teenagers, as I've already intimated, uh, and spanking is no longer profitable uh, with those young adults. You'll be seeking to uh, assign other kinds of consequences to their sins. And Lord willing, there, a little further down the road, we'll be talking more about parenting uh, teenagers, young adults. But to my fellow parents who are still in the first decade, uh, and uh, they're doing the heavy lifting of this particular part of parenting, I just want to appeal once again to them, don't try to be wiser, Uh, I'll add, more creative than God. There are so many ingenious ways to discipline, uh, I have noted. Sitting our our child on a chair, Uh, sending our child to a room, Uh, sending our child to their room without supper, Uh, washing their mouth out with soap. Doubt that's done as much these days. Uh, additional chores, privileges removed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, parents, I'll just point out: none of our creative alternatives to spanking come with biblical assurances of God's blessing. That needs to weigh with us. Sit him on a chair and save his soul from death, uh, folks. That's not in the Bible. Soap in the mouth imparts wisdom. Yeah, that's not in the Bible either. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but suspending him from his Xbox will drive it far from him. Yeah, you guessed it. That's not in the Bible either. Those are all biblical references to the blessing of spanking. So, remember, one of the ways parents spare the rod, as Proverbs warns against, is by using the rod only as a last resort. All other alternatives have been tried. All other alternatives have um, not succeeded. And so you're really at the end of your rope, uh, at your wits uh, end, and you reach for the rod. Parents, the rod, the spanking mode of discipline, ought to be your means of choice, not of last resort in light of all that the Scripture says to us about God's readiness to bless that form of discipline. Question number 10. May I entrust the spanking of my children to other people? And here I want to give a yes, but answer as well. In theory, yes. But in practice, I would simply suggest you should do it as little as possible Now, there is a long tradition in loco parentis of parents entrusting to others, like teachers in Christian schools, uh, some of their own prerogatives. 
I remember uh, in my early days at a Christian private school getting paddled for an infraction that I am not inclined to share (laughs) on this podcast. And um, yeah, I doubt that's very common now in Christian private schools, but at least at this in this case, um, back in the seventies, um, it was still a thing. I think there's legitimacy to that. I would defend a parent entrusting spanking to a Christian school headmaster, um, uh, others in their lives. I think particularly of uh, close friends, for example. Or certainly your parents, uh, the grandparents of the one who uh, is potentially being spanked. These are all legitimate. And I'd like to think that in the covenant community, we could have that high level of uh, cooperation in parenting. But just remember, friends, there is so much discernment and good judgment that spanking requires. There are various shades of conviction among us uh, about spanking as a whole. I would just say avoid it as much as possible. As a rule, parents, it's your job to spank your kids. Question number 11 and question number 12 uh, are perhaps the most important of the questions I've anticipated. Question number 11 is, at what age... Should spankings begin? And this is an exceedingly important question, and I, I want to answer it as carefully as I can. I'm going to start by challenging an assumption that I've encountered uh, in many parents. If it's not explicit in their minds, it's at least somewhere in the back of their minds, and it goes something like this. Surely our children have to be old enough to understand why I'm doing this, that it's a biblical thing to do, and that I'm simply being obedient, etc., etc. Surely they have to be old enough to understand all that before I can spank them. And indeed, I have been talking about a pre-spanking confab with your child and a post-spanking confab, as I have set out the uh, the fullness of what a spanking should be. And uh, many parents, uh, even without thinking about it, uh, settle into the assumption my child has to be a communicative human being. He's got to be at least two or three years old before I rightly can spank. <clears throat> well, folks, I submit to you that that perspective on parenting, and particularly that perspective on spanking, is exactly why we have something called the terrible twos. Uh, It is because parents did not respond in a timely way to real and growing sin in their children. And real and growing sin takes much less than two years of normal uh, human development uh, to manifest itself. Uh, Parents were waiting until they could reason with their children before they began spanking them. That's why we have the terrible twos, and I would go so far as to say, my friends, that some of the most important spanking happens well before age two. And if it doesn't happen before that time, parents, you're going to be playing catch-up. You're going to be trying to get ahead of 
patterns of willfulness and disobedience that you've let go unattended to. Now, I hasten at this moment uh, to add that the full spanking routine that I've been describing thus far doesn't apply precisely at this very early age. So the dialogue before and after, the leading in prayer, the talking through things afterwards, obviously those are things that are suitable for children who have acquired some level of understanding and ability to communicate. In the first couple of years of a child's life, uh, that child's attention span is short, and spankings, such as they are, should be quick and to the point. Uh, A spanking at this age looks more like a pop, as I call it, on the hand, if, for example, she's touching something forbidden, or on the back of the leg, if he's throwing a tantrum on the floor. Folks, it doesn't take a lot to bring a change of heart to a small child. Even a little pain uh, can go a long way uh, in doing those uh, good things. Uh, I'll just go back to uh, that article I read from The American Baby, talking about that little toddler who was uh, well on his or her way uh, to being a card-carrying terrible two toddler. This is the time, parents, uh, to invest in your child's mind the word no, as you say it, with great significance. Contrary to what Uh, was being intimated by that article, uh, long before our children can be reasoned with, long before they can understand your good reasons for what you're doing, folks, your children can understand that your authority is being expressed in that word, no. They can, for that matter, understand that their own authority or what they take to be authority is being expressed in their saying the word no. Our children can also learn very quickly uh, that doing something after being told no brings pain. So, by those um, immediate little pops, you can call them miniature spankings, They learn not to touch something, for example, when you say no. Not to keep crying in anger, for example, when you say no. Not to throw their food on the floor when you say no. And from that most basic level of uh, enforcing your authority and connecting certain behavior as sinful in light of your no, you can move from that uh, to commands with a little more content like come here or stay here or no crying. All of those commands can be reinforced with the pain of a pop in ways that teaches uh, your baby. Uh, She's not the boss. Uh, No boss baby uh, in your home. And folks, there is something so vitally important uh, about this in the early Uh, time of our children's lives. They need to grow up understanding their own need to listen to mommy and daddy and to obey. And I declare, I can't remember if I've said this before, but parents, I think many of us give our puppies more credit uh, than our babies. 
Uh, even our fur babies can understand what our will is without themselves being rational creatures. Uh, here's how Ted Tripp, in that book I recited earlier, Shepherding a Child's Heart, uh, puts this point. He says, when your child is old enough to resist your directives, he is old enough to be disciplined. When he is resisting you, he is disobeying. If you fail to respond, those rebellious responses will become entrenched. The longer you put off disciplining, the more intractable the disobedience will become. So here's my answer to the question, how soon to begin spanking? Friends, begin to spank as early as a sinful resistance to your authority is clearly manifested in your child. And folks, that's measured not in years. It's measured more in months. Ash and I had kids of fairly average development. Uh, I do acknowledge that that differs among our children. Uh, We were generally administering those pops or those miniature spankings that I spoke of uh, well before their first birthday. Is your child able to crawl? Is your child able to fight you on the changing table? Is your child able to look at you and then reach back for the lamp cord that you said no to? Then that child is in need of your discipline, along with all your other care, in the form of spanking. And I'll just say one more time, that's where your discipline will bear some of the greatest fruit in your home. It's in the earliest season so that you do not need to have the terrible twos in your home. You don't need to have the terrible teen years in your home. Praise be to God. Uh, Many faithful Christian homes uh, know that these are myths. They're not inevitable seasons. There is inevitable sin. There's inevitable rebellion, but there are not these mythical seasons inevitably waiting for us of children that are little terrors, of teenagers who are surly and rebellious. Well, question number 12 is my last, and it is put in these words. Pastor, I've tried spanking, and it just doesn't work. What do I do now? Well, I wish I had a secret decoder ring or a switch that I could point to and say, oh, wait, did you throw that switch uh, as you were going about this uh, spanking enterprise? (laughs) I spoke at the beginning of my recent kitchen project, and uh, as a matter of fact, after I put everything back together, quite pleased with myself, uh, I threw the switch, and nothing happened. No hum from the brand-new garbage disposal. So, of course, I began to troubleshoot. I checked my wiring. Did I twist the caps enough? I checked the breaker. I even checked the old disposal, thinking suddenly maybe it wasn't even defective in the first place. Maybe I had a bigger problem. Well, I finally found the problem. Uh, So, guys, in my kitchen at least, maybe in no one else's, uh, the switch over the counter that operates the garbage disposal is right next to another switch that controls current to the dishwasher. Now, I knew that I had to have the switch on, the garbage disposal, uh, to activate it. What I learned 
is that both switches have to be on for reasons that go far beyond me in order for the disposal to work. My point is, oh, it was frustrating. And then, oh, it was so gratifying. It was just the throw of a switch and my new disposal was working flawlessly. Well, folks, there's probably not a switch. Simple solution uh, to spankings that seem not to work. Uh, Problems with spanking rarely have those kinds of simple uh, solutions. But I do have some words of counsel and I trust encouragement for you. First off, I'll say again, this is exactly that kind of uh, area where you need more than a podcast. You need more than a few comments by a pastor uh, in a microphone. You need experienced Christian parents uh, to help you give um, with some vulnerability them information about what you're up against and ask them, what am I missing? Take it as a given that God doesn't provide us with defective tools as parents. And so be ready to find out that there is some kind of operator error involved, if I may speak that way, in this area. Don't look at your failure as an excuse to set aside God's ordinance of spanking. Is your spanking a a true spanking? Are you, uh, with children that are old enough, are you teaching them about uh, the biblical teaching on spanking, especially if you're beginning with them older um, in their age, uh, you'll need to have some instruction about why you're beginning to do this. And you'll obviously need uh, to be loving in all your exercises of it. But after you've done that kind of troubleshooting, I would simply say, secondly, persevere. Even in spankings that don't seem to be working. Why would you do that? Well, because of your commitment to be obedient and your commitment to trust the Lord to bless eventually your obedience. I just remind you there are other means of grace in our lives that don't always seem to work, as you might say. Praying doesn't always seem to work. It doesn't always seem to work that reading our Bibles uh, makes us feel closer to the Lord. Going to church means of grace doesn't always seem to work, but we don't abandon them because they don't seem to work then and there. Rather, we persist in them until God blesses. We know we're called to them. And I remind parents uh, that continually pursuing loving discipline of your children, aside from the fruit in their lives, is something pleasing to the Lord. That's enough reason to continue to do what he calls us to do. And then uh, lastly, I'll just uh, plead with my fellow parents uh, in that frustrating and discouraging season when your efforts do seem to be in vain, pray. Pray for the effectiveness that only God can give and that we have every reason to expect him to give. So there are all kinds of reasons why we might for a season run into real obstacles and gaining the fruit we're after in our spankings. But folks, any good fruit of spanking is always due to one and only one thing, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit. 
Spanking isn't a foolproof method for success. It's a form of ministry to our children. And so like all ministry that we have as parents to our children, it depends entirely on the Holy Spirit. So when you're going to be witnessing to your neighbor, it's intuitive you pray that God would bless your witness to your neighbor. Uh, It's intuitive to me, I assure you, that when I'm seeking to bless the congregation that I serve by preaching, I plead with God to bless what uh, feeble efforts that I make. We have to pray as parents for God's blessing in all our parenting, as I have said before. And this includes our spanking. I just want to say with all the assurance that is found from Scripture's testimony itself, parents, spanking works, period. But the success of spanking, spanking working, isn't automatic. It's something that we have to ask the Lord to bless. That's one of the things the Lord has done in this area as in so many other areas. He's put in our hands the things which are profound means of grace and of blessing. But he said, ah, ah, ah. I'm not going to give the blessing to you unless you fervently seek it from me in the use of those means. So plead the promises of Proverbs to God in prayer and wait in faith on him to bless in due time this his ordained means of disciplining our children. Well, my friends, uh, these podcasts have all been under that broad subject of the first of the two hands of Christian parents. Bring up your children in the discipline and instruction of Jesus. We've been talking about discipline, the paideia of Jesus. I've focused on spanking, but I'm aware that the wise man of Proverbs says the rod and reproof give wisdom. And there is a form of discipline that is verbal. Uh, It's verbal correction. And I'm convinced that there are many occasions when simply a word will do to our children. So that's where we're going to go. Looking forward, we'll leave the subject of spanking. We'll take up the subject of uh, how to speak to our children about their sin and how to correct them in love uh, by our words which are themselves uh, very potent uh, tools in our children's lives uh, by God's blessing. But that will be for next time. And these things suffice uh, for yet another episode of Resurrection Life. Uh, Thank you for listening thus far. And the Lord keep you all in His grace. You've been listening to Resurrection Life with Pastor Nathan Trice, a ministry of Resurrection Presbyterian Church in Matthews, North Carolina. If you've been blessed by today's podcast, consider sharing it with someone you know. And thank you for joining us.